Ricochet. Oh, brother. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. Lynch is staring in, has his sign. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Ventura with a grand slam. They're mobbing him before he can get to second base. The Mets have won the ball game. Ventura. Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. How is New York going to get out of this guy? Their captain, David Wright. He's had the bad back. He's got spinal stenosis. Played less than 40 games in the regular season. It's a cold night. be a problem on and off the rest of the season. Mm. Turner drives one to center chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch. Oh wow. The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo. He took a home run away from Justin Turner. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention please. The show. And welcome to another episode of the Shay Hello Podcast, episode number five. My name is Casey Lynn, and I am joined by former Met, former big leaguer, Bill Pulsifer, as we already are in episode number five. Bill, welcome aboard. How are you doing today? I'm great. How about yourself? Good to be here. Can't believe it's five already. Well, four for me, but five. Yeah, cool. it's uh, time flies when you're having fun. That's you know? right. <clears throat> uh, as we mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago, the... Uh, the Metsville, Metsland, if you will, it never ceases to fail. So, um, you know, there's always something to talk about. And uh, we'll start it off right there because there's plenty to talk about uh, with the New York Mets. I feel like uh, there's always something to talk about. So let's dive right into it. I'm ready. Um, where do we start? Hmm. Let's start with uh, the Mets getting hit. Seems like a hot topic these days and it also was a hot topic last year when they set the record major league record for being hit the most times in major league baseball history uh they they set the record they had a couple brawl brawls no punches thrown earlier in the year this year they're a magnet again and obviously pete alonzo was hurt earlier in the year of his wrist missed some time uh 10 days and it seems as though it's happening again uh, as of Monday, Pete Alonso, as I just look at my notes, 60 times, 68 times in his career, which is a Mets record already. And the Mets have led the major leagues in the last two years on being hit. 
the team doesn't retaliate. So my question to you, with all that information, you've seen it, the injuries up and in, you pitched, the Mets don't retaliate. What is your take on all this? Because it's affecting the team. Um, I know that in the past, uh, if the pitchers weren't sticking up for the position players, the hitters, uh, there would definitely be a rift in the uh, in the clubhouse between you know position players and pitchers as to why they're not uh, trying to back their guys up a little bit and uh, throw a little chin music in there or, or put a few in, a, in some guys' ribs. I mean, I know obviously uh, hitting people on purpose has become a a little bit of a topic with the so-called quote-unquote unwritten rules of baseball and your your new fan-dangled player, new fan-dangled fan doesn't necessarily believe in the unwritten rules of baseball, but um, I, I, I disagree. I think that um, kind of, uh, you don't want to necessarily say an eye for an eye, but you can't keep letting your guys get hit and, and nothing happen. You know, at the very least, we got to have a fight or something, you know. Uh, now, is that the manager? <clears throat> Uh, players in the clubhouse or is it I would think it's all of the above you know I think that the the manager I know Dallas Green would have had something to say if we weren't backing guys up and 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 going after people and uh obviously Pete does stand on the plate and Pete's a little bit of a closed batting stance uh, on the plate and with most power hitters you're gonna not want them to try to get their their arms extended that much so you are gonna have to try to pitch them inside uh so it does kind of explain why he gets hit a little bit but it doesn't explain why uh, the Mets don't kind of give a little payback uh, every now and then. Um, I don't, I, I, it's a little bizarre. I would say it's a little bizarre. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the front office or the managers uh, doesn't want, don't, don't want people being suspended for those kinds of things. I don't know. I would think that there's probably some guys in the, you know, position players that aren't real happy that they, they continuously get hit. And it seems like that uh, the, the pitching staff doesn't uh, retaliate a little bit. It, it's a little weird that it's two years in a row. I mean, they legit set the record last year. Buck actually kept the ball. You know, I think it was Guillermo who got hit. He was making a joke of it. But, you know, and Marte got hurt last year. He missed basically all of September, which was a big blow. Yeah, that. huge. That was a big turning point in the season, I believe, when he went. When he went. Yeah, they, it really was. And, <clears throat> Uh, this year, Pete Alonso, you, you know, I spoke about it. You touched upon it. His stance, obviously, I get it, has a lot to do with it. Uh, he's already set the record. We saw it against the, uh, what was it? The, um, not the Rangers, but, uh, the angels where he got hit, uh, in the neck. And I think it got the skull and he wanted the concussion protocol. And you saw a little fire from Pete. I mean, you know, I, and the bench is empty. He's got to be tired but, of because he. I would, I would think. Yeah, he's tired I mean, he's of, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been a, he hit, I believe, eighteen times this year. And I saw a graphic. Most of the time that he's hit, it's up and in. Yeah. You know, it's not the leg or. Uh, so, uh, you know, as a former pitcher, like if, if somebody tells you, uh, like the manager, you know, we're not retaliating, but you know, I'm making a hypothetical thing up, or maybe you've actually had this experience. If the players want the hitters, you, you know, want you to retaliate and it's more so to have their back and we're not going to stand for this anymore. Like we're not your punching bags. Like it, it's with the Mets, they don't do anything. So, you know, if you're a pitcher, I feel like these conversations have to happen with the players because with the Mets, it's happening all the time with their big stars. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know. It's baffling that uh, that they don't they don't throw at guys more often. I mean, obviously, you'll have people say that oh, it's you know throwing at somebody at purpose is dangerous and whatever. Throwing so throwing at somebody not on purpose is dangerous. So I don't I don't know. Right. I think getting hit by a pitch is is part of the game. You know, I think that if your guys are going to continuously get hit, something has to happen. You know, we gotta we gotta hit yeah. somebody or we're gonna fight. And, you know, and it doesn't seem yeah. like they do they do either one of those things. It's a good word that you use, baffling, because I think we all are baffled because they just don't retaliate at all. Yeah. Uh, Juan Lopez last year did it, and he was a folk hero for the Mets. You know, just uh, for for the fans because somebody you know retaliated. Yeah. Um, and that's a perfect perfect segue to back when baseball there were fights and brawls and retaliation. Uh, the news uh, not too long ago was Doc Gooden, Daryl Starberry. It was announced by owner Steve Cohen that uh, they are retiring number 16 and 18. And I know that you have great admiration for both of them, uh, especially Doc being a pitcher. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, you know, sharing this, the same mound as him at Shea. Uh, your, your thoughts, and I'll get into mine as well, with uh, the Mets more so uh, Steve Cohen honoring the past and your thoughts on these two players having their number retired uh, and up in the rafters and left field forever. Yeah, well, obviously, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to say it's about time because it's not my decision to make or anything like that. But obviously, those are, you know, my two favorite players when I was a kid growing up. And I get a chance to spend some time with Doc every year at Mets Fantasy Camp. Uh, so, uh, you know, knowing that your, your childhood idol is now getting his number uh, put up in the rafters and uh, put up there with uh, some of the other greats uh, that, it's, that have been up there just recently, as well as, you know, Gil Hodges and uh, Tom Seaver, who were there, were the guys. They were the only two guys when I uh, when I was coming through the the Mets system and, and uh, as a young right. ball player. So, um, obviously, having the '86 Mets being the last World Series uh, champion for the for the for the team for the for the organization, two integral cogs. You know, Doc just actually celebrated uh, the anniversary of him being the uh, the youngest to ever win 20 games in a season. So that in itself is a huge accomplishment. Um, now yep. you have 16, 17, and 18 to uh, to end up being retired. Um, I've always thought it was strange to see somebody wear number 16 on their back uh, as a Met. Um, so I am tremendously happy for those guys, and I would like to uh, possibly be in the in the stands, maybe at least when Doc is there, and uh, maybe maybe Straw as well. But um, like I said, two heroes of my childhood. We all know the stories. I don't like to get into those because they are what they are. Everybody right. knows about it. And I just like to celebrate the fact that uh, what they gave us as Mets fans and what they gave the Mets organization. And uh, I like to to celebrate that and be uh, happy for them. And I believe it's well-deserved. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that's what Steve Cohen, as I refer to, is now doing that the Wilpons really did not. He is honoring the great players from the past and putting some – you know, a stamp on the history of the Mets of their, their best players. I wasn't old enough really to relish in the doc and the, the Daryl and the 86 world series. Uh, I grew up kind of like when you came up with the Mets where I was old enough to right. understand baseball and uh, get a, a sense of what it all meant. So, you know, my favorite player was Mike Piazza growing up. That's, and I was at his retirement right. uh, number yep. ceremony at city field. 
uh, with the tarp on the field. It was weird, but it was cool. Uh, obviously, they retired his number. Uh, so Keith Hernandez was the last. So it looks like the 86 team is covered. The only well, question is Gary Carter. Gary Carter. Gary Carter. Now, that's a question that a lot of people have mixed feelings with. Um, I'm biased. I'm sure you are, too. I, um, I know Gar- I knew Gary very well. Uh, when he managed uh, with the Ducks, mm-hmm. and uh, we spent a year very close together. Uh, what a man! Great. Guy. He's a great, he, great guy. Great guy. Once to get, you get to, once you get to know him, yep. you know he uh, he is a very good. Uh, he was a great person. Yes, he was. Um, so that, yeah, you know, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know if that's in the plans. I could see it happening, uh, but. I hope it does. I, I definitely hope so. it does too, and I can see it happening. But there could obviously be the argument of not being a homegrown Met and coming up through. But hey, right. neither was Piazza. But uh, you know, neither, that's, neither was Keith. Yeah, that's right. Neither was Keith. But uh, that's down the line, and maybe that's in the future. You know, maybe that is in the future. And uh, I think it would be great uh, if we keep this going. Though we're going to end up like the uh, the Yankees, and guys will be out there in number ninety eight and eighty seven, and all kinds of crazy, yeah, crazy no, numbers yeah. out there. I, but uh, it's nice. The Yankees have. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say the Yankees have two number eights retired. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Bill Dickey and Yogi yeah, Berra. Exactly. <laughs> but it's nice to celebrate your your organization's history and organization's past, and to 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 give those guys that created that history and created that past and created those memories for all the fans and for the for the organization itself. It's nice to give them their their due. And uh, like I said, it was always strange to see number sixteen. Like when Hideo Nome was wearing sixteen, it was always just a little uh-huh. a little weird because. Um, and I know for a long time, Charlie Samuels kind of uh, withheld, who was the, the clubhouse manager for a very, very yep, long time, yep. kind of withheld giving 16 to anybody, um, and obviously 18 as well. But uh, it's nice to know that they're going to finally get that that recognition of what they meant to the organization. And, uh, you know, they're still around, and we need yeah. to celebrate them for as much as, as, as long as we possibly can. Yeah, uh, it, it will be 16, 17. 18 yep. that will be retired that's crazy um that's kind of the yankees way if you will on the lower numbers yep uh last last uh point on the number re- uh, retiring if you had to choose or pick of the next person that the mets retire who would you go with i have someone in mind um if it's not gary carter i would maybe say number five you know i would say maybe david wright would be the next guy I mean, it's tough to to, yep. to to retire a number of somebody that does, doesn't have the World Series component involved over somebody that does. But obviously, David Wright is the epitome of being a New York Met and uh, was a captain for a long time and is a very, you know, he is just what you're looking for when it comes to uh, representing your organization. Yeah, you make a good point. Um, mostly everybody... Actually, Piazza never won a World Series with the yep. Mets. Yep. So, you know, there's your blueprint, I guess, for Wright. But I agree with you. Uh, David Wright, if not Gary Carter, would be the next. You know, if not for the injuries, you know, David Wright would have probably went down as if, you know, could go actually down right now as one, of, if not the best position player uh, to play for them, I mean, you if, know, with all the records he still has. If you look at the, the number of third basemen that have played for the Mets over the years, which <laughs> has always been a difficult position for the Mets to fill, for him to have done it for so yep. long and then unfortunately be cut short a little bit with the injuries. Um, I think that that puts him up there deserving 
uh, of that honor as well because he held, he held down that spot, which was such a it's been such a tough position for the Mets to fill over the years. Yeah, the Mets had a couple of years where they rotated between Agardo Alfonso and uh, Robin Ventura, and then <clears throat> David Wright got called up 04. Um, but after Wright retired and or got hurt, it's been a rotating you know third base really. So you're right, tough position. Yep. So yep. Uh, and I, first year of eligibility next year for David Wright for the Hall of Fame. He won't make it, right. um, unfortunately. But uh, you know the Mets seem to wait for Hall of Fame kind of things to start you know kicking the tires on it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I do love what Steve Cohen's doing. I do too. Uh, it's great for the. It's great for the uh, history of the Mets. I agree. Uh, so nothing about the Mets, but we saw Shohei Otani come to City Field and play. Uh, we all know the news about him tearing his UCL, mm-hmm. which unfortunately we all know too well about it with you. And it seems like a lot of pitchers lately, um, but he's still hitting and he's hitting very well. This is something that baffles me. I guess baffle will be the word of the day today here on the Say Hello sure. podcast. Um, what is your take on this? Um, it's so complex because he's shutting it down pitching, obviously, but he's hitting. And I get it's a walk gear and he's got a month left to play. So there's a lot that goes into this. I want to get your take and then I'll go into my take on what you think the thinking is thinking is because he's in control. Shohei and his camp. I, yeah, for sure. I think it would be completely different if he was a right-handed hitter. I think the fact that he is a left-handed hitter, it kind of keeps that elbow exposed from what they call valgus stress. And if you know anything about the UCL ligament in the elbow, that is the stress when the elbow itself starts to open up, the elbow joint starts to open up, and that UCL ligament is a ligament that goes across from the upper arm to the lower arm that holds the arm together. So when you swing as a left-handed hitter, if you're a left-handed batter, you're going to still get that valgus stress in your left arm. So as a right-handed thrower, he's not opening that elbow up, uh, swinging with his lead arm as his right arm. So that's what's allowing him. That's what's allowing him to still be able to swing the bat and not get the the shooting pain uh, in that arm. Um, Obviously, we don't know at this point to what degree that elbow is injured. Um, I'm sure the hope probably is, even though it's already a repaired ligament, I'm sure the hope is maybe PRP injections, um, and rehab and, uh, maybe avoid another Tommy right. John surgery. It, it has happened, but it, it, right. it doesn't always work either. So I'm sure that they're, his camp is trying to figure out the best road forward. But like I said, without that valgus stress, he's still able to swing the bat and not feel the pain in that, in that, uh, that throwing arm. Well, yeah. So a couple things, Tanaka did that. I believe he rehabbed, he got the shots. Mm -hmm. He never got the surgery and and Tanaka for the Yankees, uh, pitched well, you know? Um, but my question is Bryce Harper, a position player Mm -hmm. batting left-handed. He got the Tommy John surgery and this, you know, up until this year, you know, May until May. And he came back 10 or 11 months pretty quick. So, so, you know, I guess maybe players and their pain and where it is, it, it obviously differs for everybody. Um, do you think, or, or go ahead. If the, you, difference, yeah. the difference between a position player coming back and be able to play at the level uh, throwing the ball compared to a pitcher, there's no comparison at all. Uh, you know, your strike right. zone as a position player 
throwing the ball across the diamond or throwing the ball. If as, and as you see, he's, he's playing first base. That's, there's probably a reason for that as his throwing is probably not up to snuff quite yet because it's really, Oh yeah. You know, for me, it was 18 months before I could say, you know what? I don't feel like I have to worry about my elbow. Uh, I was back throwing off of a mound at 12 months and back into competitive baseball at 12 to 13 months. But it was another five months after that where I felt like, all right, I'm not worried about my elbow on a daily basis where I need to do all kinds of pregame warm up or postgame warm down to try to, to be able to, to be back for the next outing, whatever it may be, if the bullpen is starting, whatever you are. Obviously, throwing the ball off of a slope is completely different than throwing the ball off a of flat ground. Trying to hit an at's ass yep. from 60 feet, 6 inches at 97 miles an hour is completely different than throwing the ball around after you get an out at first base. So, obviously, grade of injury is completely different. Like we said, we don't know the the, uh, the grade of the, the sprain. or the Sprain means tear. I remember when I went to go see Dr. Alchek, and he told me I have a sprained ligament in my elbow. I thought, man, I sprained my ankle, ankle numerous times. I'll take a little bit of time off and I'll be fine. It wasn't until I, <laughs> until I did a little research and spoke with my, my agent after that that sprain means tear and that's your ulnar collateral ligament and that's the one that needs to be fixed. So I don't know what's going to happen with him, man. Obviously, if he's, if he's going to have to have Tommy John, that's going to put him down on the shelf for quite a long time, uh, both hitting and pitching. He would probably be back hitting right. before he would be pitching, but I would suspect that this is probably going to cost him hundred hundred million dollars. I don't know, quite a bit of money. Well, you know, quite a bit of money. That that was my next question. Obviously, we know if you get the surgery, you are you can't you're you're done. You know, you got to heal yep. and rehab. So you know, we didn't see Bryce Harper, um, but he is hitting, and my guess is because he is in his walk year. The timing is brutal, obviously, for this to happen. (laughs) Where, Right, and he's set to, you know, make the most in the history of the game. But this, my opinion, he needs to show everybody, the bidders, whoever they are, that he still is a hitter. And maybe, you know, he's not going to, obviously, he's not shutting it down completely. Pitching, yes, but hitting no and he's proven that he still can hit um he might not be a two-way player you know because he's gonna if we don't know what's gonna happen surgery or not or like you said the injections and prp and all that um but i do think it's because this is walk year he's got he's trying to still show he's got you know 44 home runs uh, ops of a a thousand so i mean he's got a great value regardless so he's He's definitely hurt. Him. He's got- definitely hurt himself, and no pun intended, a little bit when it comes with the, the financial situation. But if he decides, you know what, I don't want to go through a rehab again of, of Tommy John, and I I'm happy to just see if the arm will heal, and maybe I come back as a closer, and I'm the, I'm a closer and not a starting pitcher, but I can still I can still hit, or you know what, maybe I don't pitch anymore, and maybe I just hit, and I can still that's actually still show you that I'm uh, you know an upper echelon hitter and. Let's see what happens over time. Maybe the maybe it does heal a little bit, and then I can go into the bullpen and and, and close or whatever it may be. It's fascinating because you you bring up another good point. He came in in the WBC as a closer and struck out Mike Trout right. to win it. So you know he's shown that he can do it on the world's biggest stage. Uh, so obviously the walk year and the contract has a lot to do with this. The timing again could not yeah. be worse, and I feel. I mean, for, uh, 
But you hate, you hate uh, to say you feel sorry for the guy because he's obviously going to make a lot of money regardless. But you do feel bad for him. You feel bad for baseball in general. Um, and it'll be yeah. interesting to see what uh, what transpires moving forward. And, and so the last thing on Otani, you were gung ho, I believe, early or in the season about Mets yep. are going to go mm-hmm. for him. Things have obviously changed. We don't know his value, you know, in terms of money has gone down. We, we, we don't know what clubs are thinking. We also know there's only so many clubs that can afford him, regardless if he's pitching right. or not, you know, he's cause he's going to make a lot of yes. money. It, even just a hitter. If you're the, right. So if you're the Mets, all in, do you go after oh, yeah. he's time? Gonna, he's going to be in? better than Vogelbach. I, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> going to be a better option for the, yeah. for the team. Bill, and again, I think you, it's business probably sense both. Be, I think yeah. it's business sense both on and off the field, especially with the Asian population in Flushing and in Queens. Like I said in, in the in the prior broadcasts, I think it makes sense. And he's going to be all right. He's going to be able to swing the bat. Like I said, if it was his, if he was a right-handed hitter, this would be a little bit different. This would be a little bit different. But it would be interesting to yeah. be a little fly on the wall to hear the conversations that he's having with his, you know, with his agents and his, his group as to uh, where they're at. I'm sure he's pretty, pretty bummed out, but he is the ultimate professional and ultimate competitor. And he's going to be out there trying to do everything that he possibly can. The one good thing that the Mets have going for them, if they want to go after him, you know, cause it's obviously a big, big uh, discussion to have an investment. Billy Epler. Yes. For whatever reason, he, he is very tied in yeah. with the Japanese players. And the Angels. Obviously, you he signed I mean? him with that. <laughs> yeah, no, he signed him with the Angels, Otani, right. literally. Yeah. And then Sanga with the Mets, and they're all, they're going to be all over uh, Yamamoto right. this yep. offseason. So Epler probably helps. It's just a matter if the Mets want to invest in that. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what transpires. Absolutely. I hope he wants to play in New so, York. I hope he wants to be a Met. I, I couldn't see why not. You know, I think a lot of things make sense. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I think a lot of things make sense. Well, we saw it uh, the weekend the Angels came here. It was they went crazy, you know, for Otani. I mean, uh, we know there's a big Asian population in New York, but I mean, my goodness, uh, I mean, he's a a hero. The the guy's a hero, you know, and he's like a walking, talking, almost superhero. This doesn't happen what he's been able to do up to this point. You know, it's just not. It's not a thing. And even when Babe Ruth was doing no, it, he wasn't. was either a pitcher or he was a position player. He wasn't necessarily doing it at the same time. So um, I hope that somehow, some way, he can get the PRP shots. I do. I, I went through this with a couple of other guys, former players, in a group text just this past week. He holds some of his pitches very non-traditional, and it makes me kind of wonder how yep. much that has to do with um, the, the stress and strain on his elbow, as well as the fact that he throws so daggum hard. And his balls, his pitches have so much movement on him. I mean, this quote unquote sweeper, which yeah. we called slider is a, it's a crazy pitch. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's like a freaking wiffle ball. And I know that he holds it very strange. He holds it with his fingers actually separated and not together. And my son who just graduated from Queens college tried to throw it like he did trying to, you know, if, when something's working, everybody wants to go towards it. And within two weeks, he was complaining yeah. about a tight forearm, and his his forearm was bothering him. And I was like, Liam, it's that grip, man. Now, obviously, Shohei's a, a yeah. mountain of a man and a big, strong fella, and I'm sure his forearms are huge, but there's just only so much stress that it can take, and it was already repaired once. And he does he is a split-fingered fastball-throwing guy. Those guys tend to have um, elbow issues at some point in time. But um, 
I hope he can get healthy, maybe closer now. Not that the Mets need a closer, but hey, eighth inning, ninth inning guy, maybe maybe Hater in the seventh. You got a seventh, seventh, eighth, ninth combination that's pretty uh, pretty lights out. We can we can dream, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it takes them out. Last thing on Otani, it's just fascinating to talk about, especially what's transpired. But um, because he got hurt before he came to City Field. Yeah. You know, Steve Cohen's watching. He sees the gate. He sees the money coming in. And this is with him and the fans knowing right. he can't pitch. And he's still a rock oh, yeah. star. So, obviously, he's beloved regardless if he can't pitch because he's not anymore that right is, now. It makes um, business sense. Um, so, that that is just another thing to – right. Uh, that's a perfect little segue again into uh, another big-time player, Pete Alonso. So, we spoke in depth about Pete and re-signing him and extending him a couple episodes again. But this time, it's for a different reason. Um, and I have my take. So there's rumors coming out that Pete's going to be traded in the offseason. Now, we know that Mets are very easy for clicks. I get that. And we have reporters who use the Mets to do that. So their jobs to get clicks, and the Mets are very easy to do right. that. Um, my take, and I'll, I'll keep it simple because we talked about it, is Mets cannot let Pete go. So can't trade him, you know, work it out, figure it out. I know Pete wants to stay here too, unless, you know, the asking price is not going to be crazy. You know, he has a, it's set with what we right. talked about, Friedman yep. and Olsen. Um, what I think is happening is that the Brewers and their president and their GM are leaking a couple things out there to whoever, Ken Rosenthal. It was a, a story by Bob Nightingale who said he's going to be traded. Bob has never been right about anything in the, in the world, so I'm not worried about right. that. But David Stearns is David Stearns is probably going to be the next president of baseball operations for the Mets. Steve Cohen has been very open about that. Um, how in the world do you do anything that in that big of a move of Pete without ha having first your baseball of operations guy there, you know, you can't trade him before you get your guy. Right. So in uh, to put a bow on it, in my opinion, I just think it's either just Mets for clicks because it works. I'm talking about right, it right, right now. Right. I've been tweeting about it. Um, it's working. <laughs> and I also think that the brewers are putting it out there because there's a rumor came out at the deadline Mets and Brewers were at field goal range of a deal to trade Pete there with and but the Brewers were not include their number one pick and then it was off whether it's true or not we'll right. never know obviously some people do know that's where I think it's coming from the Brewers um they they he was one of the guys who voted against uh the owners at Tenacio, I believe over there voted against Steve Cohen becoming becoming owner one of the few um, that's just my opinion. Vets cannot lose Pete. So can't trade him. Work it out. Um, I want your take on all this with the trade rumors. Uh, and also, how would you handle it as a player? Because it's got to bother Pete. It's hard enough to play in this at this level. Yeah, um, I think it's noise. I, I, I got to believe it's noise. I mean, you got to have – if you want to be competitive, you got to have 
uh, you need a first baseman. He's your first baseman. You know, it's not like there's, is there somebody else out there that I'm not aware of that the Mets could get to fill that void for Pete? I don't, I don't believe there is, uh, somebody. Did. You want to put Vogel back there? Right. We already used him <laughs> uh, as an example. And I don't want to bash Vogel back because I respect the man as a baseball player, but, um, uh, I, I think it's maybe just noise. And like you said, there's clicks, clicks gotta be made. And, um, uh, people, you know, you want to stay in the news cycle, and that's a hot topic right now. There's not a lot going on when it talks to be talking about the the push towards the playoffs and that. So, uh, I mean, it's I'm hoping that maybe behind closed doors that they are talking and uh, and sharing with with Pete uh, because you're not going to want him upset. I, I wouldn't think you're going to want him to be happy, and you're not going to want him to sour on the organization that he grew up on, that he grew up in and came right. in and loves being a Met and loves putting on the uniform, whether it be blue or pinstripes. But um, uh, I think that it's maybe just something to talk about right now. Uh, I'm hoping that at the very least, because like I said, he's your first baseman. He's your face of the organization, even more than Lindor, I believe, because he's been here from the from his beginning. And um, I hope that they are able to get something done. I don't want to see him traded, you know, because even if, what are you going to trade me your top first baseman prospect? That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that he can come up and play or if he can play in New York. So I'm hoping it's just noise and they're able to get something done. I still suspect something's going to get done and you can't trade Pete because he's part of the core, the core guys. You know, you've kind of kept around, you kept Nemo around. You're going to keep McNeil around. Lindor is here. You need a core group of guys to build around, and I think he is one of the main cogs of that core. Yeah, uh, he. I mean, he is, if not the best one. I mean, he's he's putting up like we spoke about historic numbers. He's finally and, healthy again. Too, uh, you know? He's a good guy. His wrist feels better now too, yeah. so he's able to uh, hit again. <clears throat> yeah. Time. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you 100. percent So we'll see what happens. They got to. Obviously not during the season, but you know sooner than later. It's Mets for clicks. I really maybe you know maybe you know yeah. usually like maybe that. Winter meetings this year, we get a nice little a little surprise, and there's a nice contract for Pete, and uh, he can yep. relax and take a deep breath because you know he's not going to give up working hard. The guy's he's a hard worker, and that's just all there is to it. Yeah, and he's accomplished so much just you know personally in his career in less than five yep. full years. So and he loves being uh, a man, and he'll be. He does and plays every day. Yeah, you know, I respect the hell out of that for players when they position players when they play every day, like Lindor and Pete. Uh, you mentioned homegrown players. Wanted to talk little about Ronnie Mauricio mm-hmm. um, as we enter September. Uh, he hasn't been called up, and as we record this, I'm not sure. You know, at the moment when we release this, if he'll be called up, um, but we can talk about it. And both ways, he's the only player from AAA Syracuse, basically, who has not been called up. And he leads the league in hits. He's, you know, having a great month. Of, he had a great month of August. Stats speak for himself. We all know the defense is an issue. He's been everywhere. They gave up on left field, um, moving around the infield. I'm, I'm just wondering. Regardless if he's up in September when you get the, the now two extra players, not like it was way back oh, when, when you could call right. up everybody. I'm, I, regardless if that happens, if it's not September 1st or September 3rd, I'm just wondering why, like now, before all that, Danny Mendick in a 
you know, not not to bash any of these guys. They're playing their their tails off. You know, Aruz, Mauricio is a hitter, and the bright lights are not so much on him now because the Mets are not in a pennant race. So, for the, it baffles me. There's the word again. There's no the other than they don't want to make a fool out of him because he's they don't think he's ready to play the field at a major league level. Okay, but he can DH. So what is your take? Because Ronnie Mauricio is having a great year in AAA, and they've called up everyone else up. up. Well, I think it could be maybe a multitude of things. Maybe, you know, obviously the position, where where do you play him? We talked about it uh, in the past about the young young guys aren't DHs, you know, and if he was to come up here and struggle, they put him in the in the DH slot and he struggles right away, and then he's sitting there in between innings, and all he's thinking about is I didn't get a hit my last that bad or I struck out and he just and he spirals, you know, and doesn't have success, then maybe we're starting all over again at the plate um, without even having the defense involved. Obviously, that goes to the defense. We don't have a position for him to play. Um, that was again something that we said right. about the some of the trades they made. You can only play one shortstop at a time. So and he's kind of wrapped up for the next nine nine years or so. So, um, obviously, Ronnie's going to have to probably have a great winter ball season playing another position. Uh, McNeil is obviously signed again, so there's second base slash one of the outfield positions is taken. Um, you've got two other young guys that are quote-unquote third basemen. So, sometimes numbers is a, is a lucky predicament to be in, but sometimes it's also not. I mean, obviously – if you want to go even further into this, maybe there's some off the field stuff that we don't know about. Maybe Ronnie's a little bit of a, a hothead. I don't know him, so I'm not going to say that I know that by any means, but maybe, right. maybe they feel he's a little immature. I don't know. I don't know, but that's just something that could possibly be something that uh, could hold them back a little bit from bringing him up. Uh, is he, is he a little younger than the other guys? Maybe he just, they want a little seasoning. Is he, you know, I don't know. Um, Right. Yes. So just the, the full, maybe that was their plan at the beginning of the year. And they're just kind of sticking to the plan is he's going to get a full year at AAA, And then hopefully during, cause he, most, a lot of the Latin American guys will play all year and then they'll go down to winter ball and they'll play winter ball in the winter time. So maybe they have a plan for him that they're going to know that he's going to go down and he's uh. going to play this position, whatever it may be uh, every day in winter ball for a month or six weeks. And then he's going to shut it down. And, um, but he's got to find a position and you do not walk into the big leagues at 21 years old and be a DH. It just does not, it just doesn't work that way. There there are no 21 year old DHs. Yeah. Yeah. Even Vientos has, you know, right now third base, you know, even though he hits as a DH mostly, you know, that's his position, but with Beatty and AAA now, Vientos you know, just activated off the IL with the right. wrist problem right. back at third. So he has a position. Yeah, there's something about that, the, that you know, AAA and I believe it's the International yeah. League where it's – I don't want to be a pitcher. No, well, league, I mean – Because it seems like all the hitters got – doesn't help because I, I've, I've heard from guys that have been yep. up and down – that the major league strike zone is much bigger than the triple A strike zone. So you have that to look forward to in the next couple of years at the major league level. So I've always thought home plate was two different things. It was something to tag when you, uh, when you come around to score and a reference point for, uh, for the strike zone. I didn't necessarily believe that it needs to go over the plate for it to be a strike. (laughs) When they start using 
17 inch bats, then that, that could be the case, but the bats 34 inch, 34 inches. So they can hit a ball that's a couple inches off yep. the plate. Uh, my take very quickly on Mauricio. He played, I believe last year, winter ball and killed it. He was the MVP in, in uh, whatever league, the Dominican, you know, the uh, winter ball, he killed it. He crushed it. So, the only thing I could think of, and I don't know, maybe you're right. It's something off the field. He's a little, I don't I have know no either, clue. But it could be. We, we're speculating. Right. Right. At this point, it has to be one of two things. It's either they're not trying to expose him because he doesn't have a position and they're looking to trade him without, you know, exposing him. Uh, and they also traded for some guys that fill those positions that he's playing. Luis Angel yep. uh, Acuna. You know, play second base. So, you know, that's big too. They might use him, and they could, to trade and get some pitching. You never know. So it'll be interesting to, to see. Because uh, I feel ahead, like. Sorry. Oh no! It'll be all interesting you. to see that's, who the, that's my Mauricio. Who the two guys, <laughs> because most teams are going to call up a position player and a pitcher. It'll be interesting to see because everybody will kind of expect Beatty to be back if the Mets do the two position player thing and allow, uh, allow Mauricio to, to get some at bats or w- what happens. I mean, obviously there's going to be some interesting, interesting moves here in, in a few days when September comes. Yeah. Uh, I would expect Beatty. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Mauricio, if you call him up, he's got to play. So if you don't, uh, if, very interesting to keep your eye. If you on. don't call Beatty back up, then he's going to have a lot of questions in his mind as well. So going into the off season, you know, you're not going to want your, your, uh, your young players and your, and your first baseman kind of questioning as to what, what's going on. <clears throat> yeah. Another thing to just watch with the match, yep. always something. So, um, well, let's, uh, let's go to, into our, uh, fan mail segment of the uh, right. podcast right here. Uh, all the questions are for Bill Pulsifer. So uh, every uh, week we ask people or followers of Shay Hello. Uh, if you're not following, Shay underscore hello at, uh, on Twitter. And we ask followers to ask questions uh, to us. They're always for Bill. And, of course, <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, and we will start. Uh, we always say that we will read the questions online, uh, you know, on air, live. So here we go. First question, Bill, is from NYMGI, and his question is – nah, he's a big yeah, Bill for fan, yeah, I believe. He <laughs> um, he's, he's very consistent. Uh, his question is, any good John Olerud stories? Question mark. Well, I'll say this. Uh, the consistent theme with John Olerud was pretty – even keeled. So there's not going to be any real wild stories about, um, about John Olerud. He was obviously the utmost professional, very, very quiet, very lead by example type of guy. I would say the funniest story about John Olerud was when Ricky Henderson came to the Mets and he said to John Olerud, Hey, I used to play with somebody in Seattle that wore a helmet just like that. But unfortunately, ah. that story's not true, and it was made up by the trainer, Scotty Lawrence, uh, who just felt like that would be a good Ricky Henderson story. And it is, because you could definitely see Ricky right. doing that. But um, John Olerud was the utmost professional, uh, like I said, led by example. 
quiet, calm, reserved. Him and uh, Randy Neiman are two of the most who was my pitching coach, both in uh, the minor leagues as well as in the, in the major leagues when he was the bullpen coach. Two of the most calm, cool, collected, reserved gentlemen that I've ever had the opportunity to spend spend time with. Yeah. Uh, just as a fan, you know, John Allerud was as, you know, as cool and calm as, cool as collected, the other side as of the you film. said. So, yeah. Um, so, and he's like we talked about on another episode, uh, so underrated as well. So, uh, there's your, your John Olderud for yep. this podcast. Um, uh, next question is for Mason Sports RS 500. Mason's in there every week Bill. too now. Hey, That's some it. guys are or girls are are, are I, consistent, I like you know. We have like we're it. building, we're building up a following. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm all for it. He asks, or she asks for Bill, what was your routine during the off season once the season ended to the next spring training? Question okay. Mark. So when the season ended, it was probably about one month of kind of just relaxing and resting, you know, maybe go on a vacation, just uh, hang out a little bit around the house, you know, play with the dogs, this, that, and the other thing. Then after about a month, it was uh, into the gym. And that was usually, excuse me, that was usually uh, between, Monday and Saturday, and then we take Sunday off. And then after about six weeks after the season, um, you start your throwing program and then you just start off, start off by playing catch. You know, it starts nice and easy, a little bit of catch, a little bit of long toss, gradually building yourself up and then come about, uh, right before the holidays, you would be off the mound, you know, and then that would lead into about six weeks of, of throwing off the mound and then getting into spring training around right around um valentine's day uh that was always the norm you know you kind of go out with the wife for valentine's day or and that would be the very next day would be um starting spring training but uh you know back in the in the old days and i know i'm an old-time player now too but it was kind of you went to spring training to get in shape where during my career things kind of changed into you come into spring training in shape uh and in in throwing shape and not just in physical shape but in throwing shape ready and then it's funny you kind of go backwards the first week where you you've worked your way up throwing fastballs change-ups breaking balls all of the a lot all of the above and then you go into spring training and the first couple of bullpens is just fastball change-up and then the second week it goes into fastballs and breaking balls and that might that might be different now because it's been a long time since i've been to a spring training but uh you know month off start working out at six weeks off, start throwing, and then around the holidays, start getting off right. the mound, and then uh, ready to go by the second week of February. Whew. It is year it's round. About, it seems like other than that, it's that... about a month off. That's it, and then you're back at it. So you're going at it for eleven months. Yep. I know people think, oh, they only work for six months out of the year, and that's that couldn't be anything further from the truth. Well, yeah, it's 11 but out you of 12 love months. The grind. That's you know, you got to love the grind. It is what it is, yeah. and you get paid handsomely oh, for it, and you get to play in, you know, play in the greatest cities in the land and in the beautiful ballparks and and uh, get to play a game for a living. So it, it's well worth the, the, the work. Well, that leads us to uh, – we'll read uh, two more questions for Bill uh, from NYPD33NYI. Question is, what was it like being on the 01 Red Sox with Nomo, Pedro, and Cone? Um, 
I had already played with uh, Hideo in Milwaukee, so I'd already known Hideo, and what a great guy he was, just a, a gentleman. And uh, I think I might have told you this story before, but I, I, don't, I don't remember. At the end of the 99 season in uh, Milwaukee, he gave everybody Sega G- Dreamcasts because he was, uh, he was a Sony. I mean, yeah, he was a Sega uh, partner, and he gave the whole team uh, Sega Dreamcast, which was pretty, pretty cool. Um, good teammate. All right. Good teammate. Um, I loved that. I loved it. Dreamcast yeah, was I know. one of a kind. And it wasn't around <laughs> long enough. But uh, both Cone nope. and Pedro were injured at the time, but they were around the team. So, uh, obviously, being a New York Met, uh, and sh- I shared a um, Baseball America cover with, with David Cone. So, me and him kind of had um, a, a tie together before we played together, quote-unquote, play. Because, like I said, he was injured. Um very nice guy, uh, very cordial to me, had no reason that he needed to be uh, very accepting. Um, good dude, good guy, uh, very knowledgeable. And then Pedro, what a pleasure to say that I got a chance to, you know, to to spend some time with one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And same thing, Pedro was a, a very yeah. nice guy. Um, you know, some superstars can be standoffish and don't want anything to do with your, it's cause with the, at that time I was just the, the lefty relief guy with the, with the Red Sox. So, uh, he could have just blown me off and wanted nothing to do with me. Uh, but he wasn't like that. Yeah. You know, so three good guys, three different guys, but, um, all good teammates. And, uh, it's an honor to say that I got a chance to play with all three of those guys. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, okay. We'll do one more. Uh, this is from uh, at Joey Vista. Uh, his question is: uh, oof, We talked about Otani, okay. the Otani question, of course. Who do you think <laughs> Otani will be playing for next season? That's that's question obviously mark. a very uh, that's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a tough question. Obviously, I'd like to say in, in Flushing, but um, I don't know. He hasn't tipped his hand one way or the other at all. I don't think. I. Right. And I don't believe it's going to be the Angels. I, I think that he's if he has tipped his hand a little bit earlier on in the year, I do remember some quotes as to him saying he's ready to he wants to go. He wants to be where they can win. So I think that and this is nothing against the Angels, but they've kind of proven that that's not that's not the place to win. Um, they've tried. They've tried numerous things. They've spent a lot of money and it just doesn't doesn't seem to work out for them. Um I'd like to say somewhere on the East coast that way that the rest of the country gets to see him a little bit more. I think that would be big for his brand. Uh, and obviously a lot of the, the superstars nowadays are brands as well as they are players. Um, I don't know, but I hope it's in the, the blue and orange, but I'm not going to say it's not going to be across town in the, yeah, either, I mean, it could be. but um, I'm hoping he's i uh, I'm hoping uh, he's a national league guy. He wants to try the national league out. He's seen the American league for years. Let's give him, Let's get him over here in, in the National League. I'll, I'll keep it brief with uh, my answer. Obviously, I have no clue, but I do know that there's only a certain amount of teams that can't afford him, especially with the with the luxury tax. So you can, uh, you know, process by elimination. You could eliminate a lot of teams. So who do you, this so who do you down think like those five. teams are so. besides the Mets, Yankees, Dodgers? I don't honestly. I don't even think the Yankees can afford him because they always yeah, want to stay under yeah. the luxury tax. Um, you know, they've been very, very adamant about that, and they've stuck to it. 
but you know they've had a disastrous season this year, so maybe yeah, they got to change things up. That's what I was going to say. Maybe that um, changes I, a little something. I still think the Cohen. There, but I think Cohen's going to try to match dollar for dollar. I, I I think he is. I think that when it comes down to it, his competitive yeah. nature is going to, and that doesn't mean that's where Joey's going to pick. Uh-huh. But I think that he's going to make it very inviting for right. him. I, I would I would suspect. I was just thinking about. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, Steve Cohen will not be outbid if he wants a player. We know that. Um, usually the player goes to where the money is the most. The only player recently I could think of is Trey Turner, who uh, took 60 less million dollars to play for the Phillies other than the Padres, who offered him 60 more mil. Um, but I was just thinking about the Yankees and Shoei Otani in the short porch and right yeah, field. My goodness. That's scary. I don't want – oh, I – that, yeah. Um yeah, so fascinating to watch. Um, that ends our uh, fan mail for this episode. We'll go into the last segment here on the uh, Shea Hello podcast. We're going to do this real quick, and that's why we entitled the segment Quick Pitches. All and right. They're all for you, Bill. And we've, uh, we're going to rattle off a couple things, and whatever okay. comes to your mind you first, it. okay? So we'll do it real, we'll do it really quick. Who is your Mount Rushmore for the Mets in terms of pitchers? There's four. Tom Seaver, Doc Gooden, Madlock, and um, DeGrom. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, but very all four, how can you argue, you know? Uh, Mets have always been known for their pitching, so a little tough maybe at the end, but no one's going to argue those four. Uh, next question. Bill Pulsifer's favorite vacation spot. <laughs> uh, my couch playing Xbox, playing Warzone. I don't I don't I don't get to go on vacation much, but um that I guess that would be it. Playing playing okay. Warzone. Yeah. Okay. Uh or if, if Dreamcast was still out, because I did love that, that been, system when it was out in the early two thousands. Yep, I love everything about it. Uh, okay, hold on, Favorite hold on, hold on. Pizza time. I will say this: I did spend quite a few winters in Puerto Rico back then playing uh, winter ball. I did play, spend nine winters in Puerto Rico, so we'll have to go with Puerto Rico. But it's been a long time. Okay, next one. Okay, hey, Puerto Rico, obviously. Yep. Favorite pizza topping? Just one, or can I get two? My favorite. My no. favorite pizza: go crazy. crumbled go- sausage with cherry peppers. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. That would be my, my favorite go-to combo. That's uh wow. Yeah. I, I like highly, re- I like it a lot. highly recommend. And highly recommend lastly, it. I might have to try that now. And maybe all the, everyone watching Crumbled and listening as well. Peppers. Uh, wow. It's definitely delicious. interesting. Okay. Uh, we'll keep it on. Last question. Then we'll keep right. it on the food subject. Uh, I love that. I love this one. If you were hypothetically on death row and you had a last meal and you could get anything you wanted, what would it be? And it, and it could be every, like all of it. All right. Well, obviously last week we had can, obviously you know, the spaghetti you get, and meatballs being my favorite meal. So, and then we would have to probably add a ribeye steak on, yeah. uh, on that as well. Um, we have to have dessert. Dessert. Uh, 
maybe um maybe just a good old fashioned banana split if it came down to it. All you know, the three scoops of ice cream, the bananas, the whipped cream, the cherry, the hot fudge, yeah. you know. But I would say that spaghetti meatball, yeah. ribeye steak, and a banana okay. split. Yeah, uh, when I ask this question, it's I feel like from men always steak is in there somehow, yeah. somewhere. You can't go wrong. You can't uh, go wrong with so, ribeye steak ever. Can't go. Exactly. So uh, now I'm getting hungry. That's time. now two podcasts <laughs> in a row with you. That you know exactly, and we're always talking right. food at the end of it. So uh, that that is the reason. So uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the uh, the Shay Hello podcast. As we are both hungry, and I'm sure Bill will have something special, you know, waiting for him. Uh, always a pleasure, Bill. Uh, I want to thank uh, our producer Stephen White, uh, who is behind the scenes and does all the hard work. I feel like you and me, uh, Bill, we, we had the fun. Yeah, we got it easy. Uh, and and Stephen, uh, yeah, he uh, he does a great job behind the scenes. So I'd be remiss. If I did not uh, mention him, uh, so want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we are on all platforms. Uh, if you're watching, you are on YouTube. Type in on YouTube at Shay Hello Media. We're also on Spotify and Apple, and just type in uh, Shay Hello Podcast. So you have the option of watching us uh, and listening us. So whatever you choose, Bill. Always a pleasure talking food. Mets baseball, whatever it might be. Uh, I had a great time. And until the next time, uh, be well. And I uh, hope you had uh, fun here on the show. I did podcast, have a good time. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Casey. Likewise, Bill. So that will conclude the Shea Little podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. And with that, have a great rest of your day, everybody. <laughs>